Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Worn out. Feel worn out. Why worn out? Because we basically just recorded a episode of Exponent, but uh, didn't record it. That's true. It's uh, Insider's Edition. We had a 50-minute conversation about all kinds of fun things. Our thanks to MailChimp. Uh, MailChimp, you send better emails, sell more stuff. MailChimp's been around since 2001. Company started as a side project funded by various web development jobs. Now they are the world's leading email marketing platform, sending more than a billion emails a day. MailChimp democratizes technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring Exponent. They sponsor us every week, and we appreciate it. Thanks, guys, as always. Yes. So I read something that I thought was uh, kind of dumb this week, but uh, as, as regular listeners of this podcast know, one of my favorite sayings is, don't presume that someone who does a, something you disagree with is stupid. Like it's mm. not it's not helpful, right? Mm. Presume they are smart, and then try to figure out what led them to do it. Yeah. And one of the things that so often leads companies to make bad decisions or to do do the wrong thing is they're so stuck in their own context, they're so stuck in their own company context and the narrow view of the culture yeah. and the people around them that they do stuff that from the outside is abjectly dumb. But they're doing it for actually really intelligent, smart reasons that once you peel away the layers, you can see and understand. The way that I uh, the way that I came to realize this the first time was in business school when I saw Blockbuster and Netflix, and of course, like the point at which I was uh, reading that case, it was it, everybody knew what happened to Blockbuster. How could they be so stupid? Until someone painted a picture of what it would have been like inside of Blockbuster at the time with all this money and all these stores and these incredible margins, like double, more than double what Netflix had at the time. And it's like, if you are in that position, are you going to be, are you going to uh, create a competitor that A, blesses the fact that this thing that could be an existential threat to you is actually an existential threat that you need to figure it out. But worse, I mean, if it fails, you look like an idiot. But if you, if you succeed, you wipe out your, the thing that produces all your numbers every year, like and and replaces all those stores are going to be gone. Your margins are going to be halved, and like the revenue seems to be a fraction of what you're making. Like it, it, it internalized for me something like disruption, which and I think that is disruptions. The big, the the big idea, the big, the what Christensen added to disruption from creative destruction is getting inside the organization and seeing these uh, motivations and how people are actually acting rationally, but in a way that causes their own demise. Right. So that was sort of the th- this was the real point I was trying to drive home in this article is actually very much along these lines. I wrote this week about the future of local news and sort of distinguishing that from newspapers is when we think about the future and how something ought to evolve, whether it be a company, whether it be an industry, whether it be a person, whether it be us. And the, the it's, you start with, you have to go back to your assumptions and what it's, and which sounds cliche mm. until you realize the extent to which you're stuck in your old worldview mm. So the thing, the, the article that sort of prompted this piece was uh, an article by the, the New York Times media columnist, uh, Jim Rutenberg, basically like asking advertisers to support local news <laughs> by and large, which I mean, obviously is, is honest. So it's funny, like I actually wrote about it first in the day left it on Monday. It's like on its face dumb. I mean, it's dumb for two reasons. One, like why would an advertiser pursue an advertising option that is 
markedly worse, right? R- worse for their bottom line. Like it makes no sense. It makes no sense for multiple reasons. It makes no sense because one, why would they do it? Two, if they did it, their competitors would then choose the better option and then they'd be dead. And then it wouldn't be very helpful anyway, right? In the long run, it's just, it's not gonna it's 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 gonna kill us all. That's the second problem, which is the collective action problem. The collective I mentioned collective action problem a, a lot. I, I maybe I should clarify it more. Basically, a collective action problem is when something might be better, but it requires everyone to do it at the same time. Mm. And if they don't do it all at the same time, then you'll end up at a at a suboptimal a suboptimal place. Yep. Like if, if if we all agree to share all our money and all our food, that would be great and wonderful. But if one of us decides that I'm going to slack off and everyone else is going to do it, then now I'm slacking off and the whole thing starts to fall apart. Like, that, yeah. That's like the, the communism thing, right? But there's a million examples of this where you can imagine a theoretically ideal solution. The problem is without an, uh, um, an external or without an incentive to make everyone act in the right way, it's not, it's not going to work. Yeah, you're at a you're on a hill, and you're a group of you are on a hill, and you look down at this valley, and on the other side of the valley, there's a mountain, and obviously it's better to be up the top of the mountain, but you all have to work in concert to get there, and and particularly if if having some people go off the the valley, uh, go off into the valley, but re- and and people who stay on the hill are in a better place if they don't go, then you start adding all these all this like prisoners dilemma game theory stuff, such that it's really hard to get people to move all at once. Anyhow, advertisers are not, are, are not going to uh, of their own volition and and goodwill save save local newspapers. But the the question that was unexamined by Rutenberg, and I think unexamined generally in the future of you know the dying newspapers, who's going to hold government accountable sort of thing, which I strongly believe is important, right? Government does need to be held accountable. You Having newspapers, having journalists is a very important and useful mm. function. Again, not just on the national level. We're going to be co- covered on the national level, right? But it, all these small cities, we've talked about, you know, in small cities, it's so much easier to be sort of the sort of small scale corruption and and things along those lines, particularly because people aren't paying attention the way they are to sort of national events mm. and news. So it's important, I agree. But the problem was Rutenberg failed to he, he was in his worldview, it was nat- obviously this role would be filled with newspapers and the question is how do you make those newspapers financially viable? Well, his solution was charity, which is typically a pretty bad business model. Well, it's also a pretty good sign that you're missing something in your analysis. No, no, I, I'm serious. And, and sometimes there are situations, thanks to like sort of collective action problems, that there there really is no good solution, mm. and that is where government plays a role. That is where social socialized activity plays a role. And I'm not convinced, though, that's necessarily the case with news. What is critical, though, is you have to break out of the newspaper mindset. Mm. You have to stop presuming, stop thinking about saving newspapers, and instead go back to what it's the job that we're trying to save. Yeah. Everyone is conflating saving, holding local governments accountable or holding local institutions accountable or local businesses accountable. They're conflating that with saving newspapers. This is it, – it's so easy to do, right? Because you are used to the organization or the institution providing the good. And what what you what – you, uh, or the service and what you need to realize is the service is what needs to to live on but when you conflate what provides it or what has provided it historically with the best way to 
deliver it given current assumptions, that's when you can start to like tease this apart and you can start to propose solutions. And you see this in many fields. Like, like I, I would say that, uh, not that we should go there now, but like education is another example. Like we are so used to institutions like universities providing education and like that started for a good reason once upon a time but there's uh, just because that's what made sense back then it, it, again that Steve Jobs quote that I that I love this idea that the reason it is is because some person came along and it was good enough but like everything's changed underneath and if you if your thinking doesn't evolve then then the best solution or a solution to the problem given that evolution you're not going to get there because you you're stuck with somebody else's thinking oh, it's always a balance though because at some it, it's easy to sort of for every problem to come up with this is the way it ought to be. But you also remember like you're, where you're starting from. Yes, totally. And, and, and it's so it's so easy to fall into the trap of imagining an idealized future without appreciating that you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from the reality of where things are. And I think that's a useful example. You can imagine an entirely new way of educating the populace that fits better with the future. Mm, right. But – you're also starting with the reality of of all kinds of people, all kinds of jobs, billions and billions of dollars uh, uh, in this entire industry of education. And you can't just flip a switch and immediately make things totally different. The, like it's messy. It's going to be messy because you're not starting you're not starting from zero. So you can either marginally make things better slowly from where you are or you can wait for the 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 outside environment to change so much that what's what used to work in the past is no longer working anymore and therefore people come to the conclusion oh like uh, if uh, my thinking has to evolve because newspapers are going away and therefore the, the the value of what they used to provide is still important so we have to find some way of solving it right it, well, the advantage of writing about about the future of news uh, and how, is that newspapers are actually already dead for right. all intents and purposes, right? I mean, the the again, the Nash, some of the national newspapers are are doing better, and they're doing better by virtue of having a a much more disciplined, focused approach on a sort of subscription based model mm. with with ads thrown in. the The question is still this this sort of local news question, and, and all the local newspapers are struggling, struggling terribly. A lot of them have long since been rolled up and consolidated into these relatively large companies who are all doing terribly and mm. carry lots of debt and, and things like that. And I think this is the other thing too. I think we're we're much closer to a place where the you know you know the the forest fire has torn through. All the foliage has been destroyed, mm. and the soil is fertilized. Yeah, and now there's increasingly, I think, more and more opportunities for new things to to come up, and that's and that that is the hope and the goal and and something to be excited about. I think it is totally exciting, and uh, I think providing something of a blueprint for how that might work is a really useful exercise to go down because there are people out there who value value what those local newspapers do and deeply believe like this New York Times media columnist deeply believe in 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 that job like in that job that needs to be done but they're not all business folks and they just want to write about their stuff and like providing 
providing the how is like one of the ways in which folks like you and I can add real value. And it's actually like, it's not just writing about it. You're an exemplar of it to a certain extent. I mean, you're not writing about local news, but you're, you're, you're eating your own dog food in terms of your model. Right. And this is, people are, we've gone down this a million times. We're going to get the feedback in this episode. That's fine. It works for you. You're in tech. People make money in tech. You provide information, blah, blah, blah. blah. The, the, that's not the take, that, that, that shouldn't be the takeaway, I think, from the Shashakri model, which is very much, you know, is absolutely a model for these things I'm, the things that I'm talking about. The takeaway, actually, in my estimation, and it's easy for me to say because I'm talking about myself, the takeaway has to be the focus. And when it comes to local news, that's why it's so critical to get down mm. to the job. What is the actual job that mm. we are looking to fund? In my estimation, there are two distinct jobs that need to be done and can be done by a, a, a new sort of publication. Those jobs are, one, the big one we talked about, like holding government accountable. Mm. And, and two is just helping people know what's going on in their city. Uh, on a general basis, and and the key thing about this second one, and this is what so many newspapers get wrong. Like lots, of, lots of local newspapers have long since switched to local news. Like they are are covering local news. The problem is they're covering it from a sort of filler approach, mm. where because they have an they have an ad supported model, it, it's traditionally been ad supported daily newspaper, and you you need to fill in the rest of the newspaper with content so that people will, will buy it and see the ads, right? And so you just generate. All these stories, the vast majority of which are mindless, and what you're actually delivering, the goal ought not to be to deliver content. What you're delivering is a sense of feeling informed. Yeah, or, or I, I would take it further. I would like you're delivering a sense of community almost. I, I I suspect you're the same. I know that like I'm living over in San Francisco and I still log on to the Sydney Morning Herald website, which is the main newspaper for, for Sydney. It's that sense of community, like what's going on in Sydney. Even though I'm over here, like I still feel attachment to that community. Like, help me stay plugged into that. And there's some element of that. And I think you're totally right it's not just the 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 advertising element isn't just the i i don't even think i mean the advertising is probably the root cause but like people are just used to like we need to fill up the newspaper we need to give people lots of articles that would be enough to print a uh, 40 or 60 or however many pages were in the newspaper and that's the world that we've lived in and in the same way that you think that the newspapers need to live on. Like you, you need to recognize that actually, no, that's no longer the case. And what's required is, is keeping people informed about that local area and holding government accountable and building that sense of community and uh, uh, pieces of filler that nobody reads. Like that is not achieving any of those goals. Right. It's working against them. Yes. The reason you don't want to go back and read your hometown newspaper is because most of it's crap. Right, yeah. and, and what I what I want, and this is this is sort of the point I was driving at, is is let people feel like they are informed. Sometimes letting people feel like they are informed is telling them that there's nothing going on. Yeah, like nothing happened today, <laughs> and and that's almost you, that's that's a great service to let you know that uh, uh, an area of the world or a city that you care about, nothing momentous is going on. Yeah, it's a sense of that's. That's so interesting. I, I mean, 
it's so counter to our media model because the media model is always predicated on ads. Can you imagine like a cable news channel, the anchor coming on and saying, guess what, guys, nothing happened today. Like they have to fill half an hour's worth of uh, half an hour's worth of space because of advertising and and time slots and whatever. And like that doesn't apply anymore. You want you like attention is the limited resource on the end of the consumer. You don't have these fixed delivery mechanisms with advertising that need to be filled. And like that, that example there is the thing that like it just clicked for me. Like it pulls it all apart. Actually saying that to somebody, I value that you're respecting my time. I want to know what's going on. I don't want to read 40 mind numbing articles about nothing. Like tell me what's important. Tell me what's going to give me that sense of community. Right. And, and, th- and it's something you can sell that. And that's what you're selling. And it's so easy to fall into. I follow this personally with a daily update. I, I feel like I have to deliver, you know, 1800 words a day. And, you know, maybe I should take this advice. I was about to saying, ask you, actually. So my readers are saying, maybe you should take this advice. Sometimes it's like, you know, nothing really happened. There's not much going on. Why, why, don't, you, why don't you spend this morning and go read, you know, the sports column or something? And that's and, – and, because what, but that really gets into you have to really deeply at a very deep level. And like I said, I fell at this too. You have to understand what are you selling. Yeah. And it's, it's, this is, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit previously. The conversation went something along the lines of you start with the deep insight, the, the thing that you're focused on. And then increasingly, because it's, it's hard to like focus on that root cause why you start to look at the proxy of what that root cause why is. Cause it's much easier to measure. It's much easier to like, Oh, tick done. And in organizations, it's profit. And maybe, maybe in the media world, it's like, yeah, we got the column out or in your, it's like 1800 words, but like people aren't buying 1800 words. They don't give a shit about 1800 words. Like they want to feel, they want to know what's important. And it, it, yeah, like I, 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 I totally agree with the insight. So, and the great thing about this is once you understand the value that can be delivered just by telling people what's, and sometimes tell me what's going on, like A, B, C, D, E happened. You don't need to write 800 words about it, like a newspaper story, right? Mm. The, uh, the vast majority of local news can be summarized in a paragraph or two. This is something that I actually think the Axios guys, the, you know, the former political guys, what, what mm. the, I think it's such a great insight. I think their newsletters are, are so well done. And what's so well done about them is they don't, it's the lack of depth. A lack of depth does not mean they are shallow. Rather, a lack of depth gives people the sort of time and freedom to know where they need to go deep. Because mm. no one can go deep on everything. But there's, and you get this insecurity. I'm missing what's going on, what's happening. And, and it's not that people want to read a bunch of very short missives, the top 10 of the morning, or whatever. It's not that they want to read a bunch of short missives because they want to pretend like they can have a, a, a cursory knowledge and then be, be experts about it. They want a map of the subject. Like, give me a map and I, I, can, I can go figure out where I need to go based on that. Well, I can read something, I can read a paragraph about it, be like, uh, yeah, I, I get the gist. I don't. I don't need to know more about that. And this is something you know, a service that you know, reason why Nuzzle was. was I think we, we've both talked, sung his praises before by elevating something on Twitter that lots of people are talking about. It it relieves you of the sense of having to wade through a stream oh, and miss every yes. tweet. And but at the same time, you don't feel like you're missing out because if something is big enough, it's going to rise to your attention. 
Yeah, totally. I, I love that service. I, I, I have friends that work at Twitter and I always give them, I always needle them. Why haven't I either buy it or replicate it? One of the two, please. And this is something that can be sold. And people have kind of had a clue that you can sell curation. But the problem is the curation has so often, it's overwhelming. I don't want an overwhelming stream of awesome content, right? There's so much content on the internet, you can find plenty. <laughs> there is value. There is value in the end. There is value in completion. There is value in saying, here's like the five things you should read. And if you're not interested in anyone, that's okay. Like it's, you're, not, you're not missing anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember I almost bef- before I mean there was a period between uh when I stopped doing this and before I found Nuzzle, but Nuzzle used to put it to put it to bed entirely. But there used to be a period of Twitter where I would have anxiety if I didn't go through my entire timeline. Now I've I've backed off a little bit <laughs> in terms of my 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 Twitter habit, but it was literally like that. And it was so it was not a good feeling. And as opposed to now, just raising to the surface and letting me quickly figure out what I need to get at, what I need to know, and if there's something interesting happening that I can dive in, it's it's a fan yeah. It's it's like a much better approach. And what's so great about this, and you think about the local news sort of context, is it doesn't take as many people to to do that, right? You don't need to write 800, 800 words about everything to fill to fill space, and because everything has to have eight hundred words, mm. you can go through and summarize. And so, what well, the great thing about it is, you can be a local publication and be delivering ongoing value. In most of the time, the ongoing value is just giving people a sense of feeling informed, which is great. And it gets to the community function. You feel like a part of the community. You know what's going on. If you got an email in your inbox about Sydney that that you could read in less than five minutes and gave you a general mm. overview of what's happening, would that be valuable yeah. to you? Yeah, amazing. It would be much better than having to sift through. I mean, there is an art to the curation, of course. But yeah, absolutely. If they could figure out the most important things that would that would that would fulfill the need of that job, totally. The problem is if it's an advertising, like maybe the Sydney Morning Herald sends an email, but their goal with the emails to get you to quick through because they want right. to make money on you for ads, right? How, how yep. much value if it's like, honestly, there, here's like five things you want to read, but none of it's really worth it. Nothing happened today. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that comes with the business model. That only comes if you're actually paying someone to tell you, don't come to my site today. There's nothing to see because right. nothing's going on. And so the business model, this is the key thing. The business model controls everything. It really, it goes with everything. And the problem with newspapers, as long as they're stuck on this, uh, because of the the history of being an advertising-based business, they can never, I don't think they can ever really transform to, to this new sort of service of telling you what you need to know and nothing more. Yeah. I, I mean, so to their credit, the Sydney Morning Herald, like a lot of publications, is pretty aggressively trialing a paywall with a view to getting people to convert into subscriptions. But the broader point that you're trying to make is when when it starts, when the world is burnt or the, the forest fire has gone through and you're trying to rebuild Starting from scratch, like what you did or what like a lot of these folks are doing in terms of building out newsletters or alternative approaches to media is a is again, it sounds like you're going to end up in the same place. It's like, we'll take everything we have and then we'll just throw the things we don't need overboard versus we will start from scratch and only put in what what is essential, what we absolutely need. And like you would think, and I used to think, oh, that there are two ways of getting to the same place, but they're not. You never end up in the same place. And it is, it is impossible to throw so much of the infrastructure that you think is essential over the boat in order to reduce the weight to keep the thing afloat. 
float. Whereas if you build it from scratch, you, you are that much more focused and you're that much more likely to end up in a place where it is sustainable. But that's the thing. What I'm arguing is one of the core values these publications can provide is something that was never provided by newspapers. There has never been a newspaper in the history of mankind that said, don't read me. Yes, totally. <laughs> I, I mean, totally. Like, it's they're incapable. And I mean, that's the point. It's, I guess, it's not just the people and the assets and whatever that you're throwing overboard. It's the, it's, it's some of the values and like the cultural norms around what, what is the right behavior. Like, you have to start from scratch to be able to do it. Right. So, the, the great thing about this, and, and this is the key thing, is providing that value at far lower cost than covering every little thing that happens in 800 words you can fill up the newspaper what what happens is by providing that value that frees up the resources to do the necessary hard expensive work of covering local government of covering things that happen locally and maybe it's only once a week or maybe once every two weeks or maybe it's only once a month where you're dropping some big deeply reported story that actually makes a difference that actually yeah. causes change. I mean, how many of the stories in your typical yeah. local newspaper actually matter? Not just very few, arguably fewer than this model because so much time and resources is spent on filler. Yeah, totally. And 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 wait and I obviously like there is an element of you're going to have to build up a little bit of a track record because there's there is an element of trust associated with this, right? Like I'm not just going to whether it's based on the personality of someone having done this successfully previously, and I'm going to trust you on that basis, or I can see a track record of an organization who's managed to do this and they started super small and super lean. And then they, they get a couple of, of these big things on the board. And it's like, sure, I'm going to put, I'm going to put in a few bucks every week, every month or every day or whatever it is in order to support this. But once you get to that point, yes, like I trust that you're off working hard every day, trying to figure this figure out what that next big story is like holding people accountable and i understand that that it's 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 lumpy it doesn't all it doesn't happen in a nice like every three days there will be a really big important story that i need to know about it could be every month there could be a period where i want to hear what you have to say every day because something really big has happened or there might be an extended period where you're just off trying to sniff out what those things are and that's okay yeah and that's why i think bundling it with the a sense of feeling informed is, mm. is the key because you're, you're delivering ongoing value and also creating the potential to to uh, create far more value. And this is the key thing. Everyone always asks about like microtransactions. And there's all kinds of reasons that we, like we can buy a single article and mm. pay five cents or whatever. And there's all kinds of problems with it, including like how do you pay? How does the payment work? Uh, you know, credit card fees, et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of problems with it. And the, bi- the biggest problem has always been just the friction. Are you going to actually like go through the hassle of, of going through microtransactions to get one single article. The, mm. the bigger the there's a bigger problem though. There's a fundamental misconception that drives the thinking around microtransaction. And that conception is that what a person is buying when they buy an article is that they are buying an article. Yeah. And and, and no what and the problem is that text on a page especially digital text on a page is worthless. It is worth nothing. It can be copied in, in, in infinitely. And a paywall is is at the end of the day a this artificial construct that actually is meaningless because why why are you blocking off the free you know replication of of bits it's so true what you're actually selling what you're actually selling what do you, what do you buy when you pay for the new york times are you paying a subscription are you paying for a specific article 
No. No, by definition, you're paying ahead of time. You are paying for the production of content. You're paying for the production of content that you trust is going to be worth paying for. You, and if mm. you think about it, on a very direct level, you are not paying for an article. And any system that's that that is based on thinking about paying for articles is is one that doesn't actually make sense with the way this works. And that's why the paywall actually does work. When people pay me, when people pay you know, pay their ten dollars a month. They're not paying for an art for a a, a piece. Maybe so actually, it's not totally true. Sometimes people pay because they want to read something I, I already wrote. And but the actual payoff and the way I provide value and the way I get them to renew, right? It's it's not really. People ask me all the time, "Oh, you should do a per article payment," and I will never do a per article payment because I don't want to be in the business of selling bits for an artificial price that actually makes no sense. What I want people to pay for, I want people to pay for my production of content people are paying for me to write and then they are consuming the artifacts of what they are paying for there's a it's it's that example but also the new york times are both perfectly illustrative if it's not it's i mean it's it, there's almost a deeper abiding belief in in what you're doing there's there's something more than the than the consumption of the article there's the the feeling or the belief in it. And I, I guess the example that I would point to on the New York Times side that, that sits with what you just said is after, after the election and, and Trump got into power and then Trump came out swinging at the New York Times, their subscriptions went up dramatically. And like they're, they're not buying articles. They're buying something else at that point. They're buying a belief that this organization is going to hold this person accountable. It's, they're not buying it. They're not buying it on the basis of past articles or what has happened. They're, they are saying, I want to invest in this continuing to happen. It's like a, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And, and this is something, and that point, and this is to bring it back to the local news point, I think people do care about that. They do care about there being quality journalism. They do care about there being a check on, on local power. And I believe that can be sold. And, but the key mm. thing to realize is you are not selling the article. You are selling the process of the production of articles. And mm. it's a shift in mindset that, uh, that is, is so hard to get to when you're, when you're, all you're, you're boxed in by the newspaper and the thinking that goes into that. Yeah, it's it's two parts. That that element of you're buying, you're paying for the production rather than buying the output. But there's also there's got to be something more associated with it. Like you have to be fulfilling a job that people need to need to have, and they need to believe in it, and they need to believe you're going to do a good job. And once you get to those points, then then you're onto something, as opposed to the previous model, which is just like. I'm buying the output. Right, exactly. And so what are you selling when you're selling like that? You're selling a sense of civic duty. You're selling a sense of being of community, of being a part of it. You're you're selling a sense of 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 principles. And is it a little fuzzy and weird? Well, yeah, it is. But actually, when you think about it, lots of stuff we buy is really fuzzy and weird. Yeah. But, but the key thing is to to sell this, to actually get people to buy this, you have to shift into the you're, – you're not selling the actual content. You're selling something else. So what do I, I – I thought about this a ton. What do I sell? What am I selling? And, it, and this is something that has governed – uh, the way I think about not just trajectory today, but checking the future and where I might take it or where it, mm. what, what it might evolve to, there is an aspect of selling a sense of being informed, right? And and what's interesting is if that's what I was selling, that's actually a more scalable model because it's much easier to get more people to write 
you know, think just let you know what happened and what what didn't happen. Mm. Uh, it's also the problem is by virtue of it being more scalable and difficult, it's also an area with much more competition and um, you know, it, it, easier entry, easier you know, lower lower profit as it were. I'm also selling a sense of feeling feeling smart. I think, and and what I mean by this is. I give my take on an opinion or a take on something that happened in the news and you might agree with me or you might disagree with me, but actually both are valuable because now you have a thought process around a news event that happened. So when it comes up later at work or coffee or wherever it might be, or in the context of your job, you've already started this sort of mental machinery turning on it mm. and, and and you have a way of thinking about it. And, and you could go even deeper. Maybe I'm selling just a a broader way way of thinking, oh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be, and the reason I I think about this stuff a lot, I don't. It's not just like an intellectual curiosity. It's like this is how I have to make decisions about my business, and it's critical for me to understand that because I can't make good decisions about the future of Techery without understanding what it is I'm selling. It it can be a fraught area to dive into because people have uh, sometimes misinterpreted it. But like what you've just described is the heart of what uh, the the heart of what pure jobs to be done is. Right? Like people don't want a nine inch drill; they want a nine inch hole. Or or I like Clay's Clay's uh, uh, Genesis story of how jobs to be done came about. I love it because it gets it. It gets at what 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 you as a business person or someone inside of a business needs to understand it's like it's so easy to fall into the the proxy of uh the 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 profit where it drags you back to is like the why in the customer's mind and he they they got hired by a uh a milkshake company or a fast food company to boost milkshake sales and they tried everything and they surveyed people and they made the changes and nothing happened and then they stood outside and then they watched how milkshakes were being consumed and they saw two groups of people one in the morning coming in by themselves before work and then getting out of their car or grabbing it and then getting back in the car and another group coming in later later in the day with a uh typically with a young kid or a couple of young kids and they went and spoke to them and they asked like what's the job you're trying to do and the person obviously looked at them and like you're crazy what are you talking about but what they began to realize is the person in the morning had a long boring commute they wanted something to keep them entertained they wanted something to keep them full up until lunchtime uh they weren't they weren't buying it because it was healthy like they were buying it to stay entertained and like to stay get that feeling of satiation like being satiated and it needed to be easy to drink while you're driving in a car and on that basis the axes of improvement is okay we're gonna put in little pieces of fruit not to be more healthy but because it gives you an unexpected when you suck it up and like make it thicker and more viscous so it lasts longer and you feel full for the entire uh the entire run of your commute into work but if you look at the second group of people coming in with kids you go and speak to them and it's it's uh they are they've been doing the parental thing of saying no to their kids all day and they want to feel good. And so little Johnny looks up at dad and says, please, dad, can I have a milkshake? And dad says, sure, Johnny, like I want to, I want to feel like I'm being a good, a good parent and I'm not just saying no to everything. So he lets him 
he buys him a milkshake. But they sit there and like dad finishes the burger and Johnny finishes the burger and dad's starting to get impatient and Johnny's still slurping away at this milkshake and eventually dad's just frustrated and he's like, throw it away, Johnny, we got to go. And on that, like given that job, like the, the way you would improve it is entirely different. And it, it's like make it easier to drink and faster and perhaps even smaller. But same product, completely different jobs. And it's like, Getting to that level of understanding inside the consumer's head is so critical. And that's what I like what you just described, like getting getting to with Stratechery, getting to that level of understanding is essential in order to do this right. Well, one of the great things about writing on the web is, I mean, there's a lot. It's often framed as a downside, but in reality, it's great. Is the feedback is so immediate and it's so it's so instant. I mean, whether it be page views, whether it be shares, whether it be people emailing you. Like I always complain about getting lots of email, but in reality, the fact that I have experts in their field or people who have worked Mm. in these areas for ages or have thought about this a ton or whatever it might be, and I get on all sorts of things I write about, and you know. Sometimes, sometimes they're like, ah, I'm not sure you quite get this. Sometimes, like, wow, I can't believe someone outside the field wrote about this. Those are always the most gratifying. But it's, but often it's somewhere in the middle. It's like, oh, that's a really good point. There's something another thing to think about is this or this or whatever. The the power of that is incredible, and it actually and this is something that came up when the um Jimmy Wells announced Wiki Tribune, like a new way of thinking mm. about news. And I actually think this is fascinating. I think it is something that actually ties very much into this local news angle. He's focused on sort of a national level, which I think is maybe a bit of a misapplication of this what, what's so but what's so powerful and I wrote, I wrote about this is there was an article there was an article about this and I think it was in the BBC and they quoted some journalism expert who said something to the effect of oh it's an interesting idea but it's never going to scale to the level of something like the New York Times and so it was a statement that was 100% right and by virtue of 100% right it was 100% wrong and what I mean by that is the New York Times is the epitome of scale in the newspaper business. They have like seven or I don't know what it is. They have hundreds and hundreds of people in the editorial room, editors, journalists, photojournalists, the, 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 whole, the, whole, the whole thing up and, down, up and down the stack. And they can do that because they are serving – they have a subscription base of like three million people, digital descriptions, and they have the, the print – you know, business still makes money and they have digital advertising because they are big enough that they can do digital advertising. They have scaled. They are operating at scale. At the end of the day, though, you could say the same thing about Encyclopedia Britannica and at scale, right? The difference is when you're talking about the totality of human knowledge and the number of people who are on the internet and experts in that field, it's impossible for any one publication from with this sort of top-down approach to gather them all together. And, and what made Wikipedia so powerful was the fact that it was bottoms up. And when you think about the future of news, yes, I, I'm mostly focused on you know building a sustainable model for paid journalists. But there is so much that can come from the bottoms up, whether it be sources, whether it be tips, whether it be editing. The whole editing idea is fascinating. Newspapers have this entire infrastructure. Most newspapers, the ratio of editors to journalists is, is, is closer to like one-to-one. And the reason is, why is that the case? Because you're producing content and it's going to go be printed onto a page where mistakes, getting things wrong, is very expensive. You can't get stuff wrong. You need to make sure it's right. And not just that, but you also need to make it all fit and you have to get it all t- together. And there's all sorts of constraints that go with it being a, a product. 
so many of those don't actually exist on digital. Like, I, like I, I'm there is a. I wrote about this in the context of BuzzFeed a few years ago. I think we we probably talked about this on, on this podcast. Why could they produce something like that post about the dress? The reason they could produce that is because they have a culture of producing all kinds of shit. <laughs> like most of it's crap. Like the vast majority of BuzzFeed articles are are, are pointless and probably no one reads them. But who cares? A, a, a web page costs. What does it cost BuzzFeed to produce an article that doesn't? That doesn't resonate. It, and, I mean, it costs. It costs. It does cost the time of the person that produced it. But the person that's producing it is learning. They're starting to understand what works and what doesn't, and they're getting data. They're trying to see the feedback loop, and the feedback loop is so powerful. And you get better, mm. and your hit rate increases. What you do well increases, and and you get this function where actually the best sort of. So this is one role of editing is defining what are you going to write about. Well. You can you can get a you have so much more scale. BuzzFeed's scale when it comes to deciding what to write about is basically the entire internet. It's much more scale than the New York Times. Or when it comes to typos, I mean, I'm not proud of typos. I I I, I actually people say if you count up we all my typos, we love them there. No, if you count, we get to we get to give you a hard time about them. Like everybody loves to complain, but we'd miss them if they were gone. Well, it, it, I would say if you consider the volume that I write, there's actually not that many. But of well, course, given, I would say given that. this, I mean, given spell checking capabilities, that's that's true. But <laughs> yeah, I do have some bad ones. But 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 here's the thing, uh, particularly for a week. This is the worst thing about writing email. I actually could use an editor. We'll get to it in a second. When I write a weekly article, within like 30 minutes, it's flawless because every single error is going to be found by all by everyone mm. reading it. And then yes. once it goes out, like that's great. Here, this is more a copy editing function. Is it per, is it is it would it be great if the original article was perfect? Of course it would. And like I said, for email, email sucks because once you send it, it's sent and you can't you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. It's more like paper. I probably should, I probably could use a copy editor there. But the the general principle of being digital, it it just changes the way you think about things. And when you think about a local publication, would it be ideal if a local publication had perfect copy editing? It would. Do we want to spend the money on a copy editor given the fact that we have the entire readership to be de facto copy editors? Or or where do we want to think about investing our money? Would we rather invest that money in in the sort of journalism that we're worried about saving? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, totally. Like this is the perfect example of like how you don't get to the same place if you only take things out rather than start from scratch because everybody is focused on that old world way of doing things. Uh, there are all those editors that are there and that's, that's the way they've done. And like you suggest to them that the idea that you could be producing things that have mistakes in them. Uh, like everybody's like, or oh, you can't cut the editors. Like they catch the mistakes. They help set the direction. It's like uh, you're, you're fighting against all these things that are pulling you back into what mattered in the old world. And it's only if you start from scratch and you are, you're running lean and you like have a limited amount of resources and you're thinking, I have this pile of money. What's the best way for me to invest it in order to achieve this goal that you get to realize like you, you, you come to the conclusion that you came to with Stratechery. But by virtue of there being no choice, like you spending money on a copy editor at the outset of building your publication just made no sense. It just makes none. Like you need to invest in like in in the basic infrastructure and then just focus on getting these things right and getting the insight. That's what people pay for. Like the, the typos are just unimportant. 
Right. I mean, this isn't to excuse bad design or to excuse typos. Again, in an ideal world, they would not be there. But it, it, you have to like business is about making hard choices, right? There's yeah, ideally like exactly. And this is this is the key, and it matters. What we desperately need in journalism is we need this sort of business mindset because how can you have a true check on power if you don't have financial independence? And this is the this is one of the other points I made in that BuzzFeed article is the reason why BuzzFeed mm. was important is because they were figuring out an actual business model that made them sustainable so they could have they, they could have news that mattered and it's the same thing yeah. on, on all publications be like oh the easy answer it's always the easy answer and I we've discussed this government is always the easy answer mm. it's like mm-hmm. oh well news is important so we should have you know socialized news and you know, government should should do the stipend okay. How? What happens when we say someone comes to power and they don't have respect for the norms that govern these sort of things, and they will exercise their legal power to the full extent of the law, even though the norms are all against it, and because it's their own personal benefit? Is that a situation we want to be? I can't imagine an analogy, but I mean, well, I'll let your mind run wild. Yeah, I yeah. Obviously. I mean, this has been a, this mean, has been this has been the, the last few months have been have been like. <laughs> have been an object lesson in why relying on government is a is a very dangerous place to be because you you need independent sources of accountability and power. Yeah, and I mean again, the the forest fires come through and to tie it back to what what the discussion last week is, these things emerge based on the marginal improvement that's that's possible and propping up the existing model that will not last is only going to delay something better coming along. Yes. And I think we will look back at this point in time and it is painful. Like change is always painful. And there are all those folks that are that have been journalists and they just want to write. Like they don't want to figure out this business stuff. And I on some level I feel terrible that this is been thrust upon them. But in the same way that I look at you and what you've done, or even this podcast and what we've managed to do, like this would not have been possible had we not gone through all that pain. And there is going to be a time, I think, in the not too distant future where what you're describing is possible. And there are going to be a whole lot of smart people working to enable folks who are creative and who want to do things to be able to just focus on the thing that they want to do. And it's gonna, it's gonna suck getting there because it always does. Because change and pulling down that old and making like burning the forest down to make way for the new thing always does. But invariably, I feel like we look back and we think, wow, I, I'm glad I am where I am now and not back where I was 20 years ago. You made the point; it's inevitable, right? So let's best make the best of it. And the other point you made that I think is really good is the longer we prop up the old, the, we're we're preventing the emergence of the new. This that was almost the most devious thing about this proposal that advertisers should support local newspapers. Let's suppose that they did. The end result is just to not just delay the inevitable, but to you're you're kind of crowding out the airspace, right? There's no mm. there's no room for the new to emerge. And this is always the concern about, you know, like like say governments like this is the classic economic argument against like government spending is that his government spending takes up some portion of the economy, it prevents a market-based uh, solution from emerging because the government is a top-down solution and it's guaranteed to be there, right? Again, I, I'm not advocating on either side of it. But that's sort of the 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 argument. And it's the same thing here. If you have a local newspaper 
that is hanging on by the skin of its teeth and just you know publishing fluff, it's that much more difficult for something else to emerge. And I, I, again, I'm not advocating. <laughs> am I having people lose their jobs? I uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm g- g- digging myself into a hole here. No, but. no, no. I I mean, I think the caveats apply. Like it's it's the same thing. You don't want to. You're not. <laughs> you're not arguing for for pain for pain's sake. This is a case of like we're being forced off the hill, down, and up into the mountain. And it's not much fun when you're up on the hill and the hill catches fire, and we have to run down in the, into that valley together. But the advantage of it is when we do get through it and we get up the other side, there is something better waiting. Um, and again, like I think one of the consistent themes that we've talked about on on the show over a hundred and whatever episodes is recognizing that we and many of the people listening to um listening right now are in a fortunate position in that they're not they're not the ones that are being hurt the most but at the end when you get up to that better place it is going to be a better place and like that's why we're doing this that's why we're able to do it like partly because of that well you know it might not be a better place maybe it's going to be a worse place but that doesn't change the fact that the place that we were is no longer gone. It's gone. It's burned. It's on fire. It's burned. Yeah, we, we 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 can't go back. The only solution is to is to push forward. And you know th- that's another point I, I did want to make about the sort of advantage of being on the internet and then the pushback. You and I have similar backgrounds and points of view and that sort of thing. But that's also that's the danger t- too, right? It's mm. so easy to become blind to to things that happen elsewhere and things that are going on and to have, you know, a sort of, to be exposed, to be exposed to so many more things and to be exposed in a way that people come at you and they, and they tell you where you're wrong or what you're missing. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And, and if we are, if we do end up in a better place, this is the reason why it's better. I mean, the, the news, it was newspapers were great, and that they had this ad supported model that let them, that gave them the freedom to do the sort of investigative work that we both believe, and I think most of our audience mm. believes, is important for journalism, but is important for civic civic life. But on the flip side, is we've also talked about the nature of the newsrooms that they were all a similar type of person meant mm-hmm. that there were actually lots of stories that weren't covered at all. Yeah. And if we do end up in a better place, it's because the field is so much more open to all kinds of newcomers, and the audience is so much more broad and dispersed than, it, than it, in a newspaper. You were insulated from your audience because you just had ads. It didn't really matter what your audience thought. By having that direct feedback, if we if it does end up better, it will be because there will be a broader approach and coverage and more perspectives and all those things that really are important. I agree. I have to mention this. I heard the garbage truck after I have no idea how many episodes. <laughs> the garbage truck finally makes a return. It is. It is out there somewhere. We are recording at a different time than we usually do. So, uh, yeah, it is, the garbage truck. The garbage truck is here. Uh, hopefully, this uh, episode will not end up in the garbage. <laughs> That's not possible because we are digital and we we cannot be thrown away like a newspaper. That was terrible. No, that, that was an awful segue. That, that was pretty bad. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring Exponent as they as they do every week, and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one.